one of the greatest gifts that a man can gift to a woman is her complete inability to control him. Her ego will hate it. She will thrash and it'll it'll be very confronting to the part of her that has become entitled and honestly a bit arrogant in her historical capacity to control men. But the deeper part of her where her eros dwells and her womb trembles with like ancient remembrance of like, oh, that is a man. Is that she has no ability to control him. Hey everyone, welcome to The Feminine Untamed. I'm your host, Katie. Here on this podcast, expect to access your natural, intuitive, feminine essence through the remembrance that play, pleasure, and purpose are your true north. My guests, my friends, and myself share real, raw, unfiltered stories that write permission slips for women just like you to experience the divine feminine and help you live in devotion to the goddess within. I believe that when you embody the truth of the wild woman you are at a soul level and live a heart-centered, desire-led life, there are only steps in the right direction. So take a moment, clear your field, and prepare yourself to receive soul-inspired truth and wisdom that brings you closer and more connected to your higher her. Let's get started. Hey friends, welcome back. This week we have a beautiful, beautiful sister here, Julianne Pothier. She has been on a romantic roller coaster. Uh, for most of her young adult years, her relationships with men were often characterized by volatility, emotional drama, and eventual heartbreak. I think a lot of us can resonate with that. As a re- result, she learned the hard way what it takes to address the confusion and distortions and receive the deeper truths of the masculine and feminine nature archetypes. Through her writing, teaching, and feminine mentorship, she helps women repair and co-create fulfilling lifelong bonds with the men in her life, husband, lover, father, son, brother, former husband, friend, colleague, and more. Jillian has her master's in psychology and works on centers to what becomes possible when we understand both the masculine and feminine nature and co-creation through the lens of psychology the fairy tale and Jungian archetypes. Thank you so much for being here, Jillian. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much again. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really excited about this conversation. I know a lot of women that are listening can also resonate with the idea that relationships can often be characterized by volatility, drama, and really riding that emotional roller coaster. I know I've been on it a number of times and I'd love to start off with the spiritual war against men and potent masculinity. I know a lot of women 
A might be disconnected from their femininity or feeling really out of balance and putting so much emphasis on parts of their own inner masculine. And that creates a disillusion and unbalanced um, nature within relationships to their partners. So yeah, I'm curious to explore that a little bit deeper with you uh, if you want to take us through that. Yeah, this one is, um, has layers in it. So, and so I'm going to kind of speak to this on from multiple like apertures or stations, so to speak. So um, I think on a macro level, masculinity in general, or even like more human, like maleness, like straight up maleness, I think is something that um, our culture uh, really degrades in many ways and condemns and criminalizes and makes wrong. And obviously we can already start to hear the complexity in this because so many women have very real experiences of, um, you know, uh, encounters with men that were considered, you know, harmful. And so like, not, I'm not bypassing the reality of that, like for a hot second, actually, like I'm not bypassing the reality that the footprint kind of, of the distorted masculine on the feminine collective is not real. So like, I think it's important that we hold that. And having said that and acknowledged that, I think that so many women have radically misunderstood or distorted, or in some cases, um, like there's misandry, like there's truly uh, like low, unconscious levels of disliking maleness and and the masculine and we see this culturally even archetypally like if we look at film or television like we tend to see two different archetypes there are exceptions to this but we either see kind of like the homer simpson archetype of like the bumbling idiot with the beer belly whose wife is clearly wearing the pants and he's kind of like on the ride of never truly dropping into his potency and his rightful seat. And here comes, you know, like a big word here for the feminine listening, but like the patriarch to truly like he's never honored and respected as the patriarch of his family. And then we see the other aspect of that, which is like how men are portrayed kind of as the the quintessential villain or like the bad guy, the man who rapes, the man who murders, the man who pillages, the man who extracts from the feminine. So it's like very few instances do we have culturally kind of in the, the, the collective representation of like excellent expression of the masculine excellent and rightful embodiment of the patriarch, of course, decoupling that from the malignant capitalistic understanding of like the patriarchy. But I think even as I say that, I'm like, that's one of the ways that this representation and distortion of men in the masculine has seeped into like common everyday vernacular that we condemn something called the patriarch, where if you look at even the root of that word, patria, it's like father, family, and there's such a benevolent dome of provision and protection that that, 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 that man 
in his own hero's journey is rightful for him to kind of generate and be. And women, because we have, you know, generations, some of us, and I raise my hand in that, of pain body inherited from womb to womb and the family stories around, you know, men can't be trusted, always have your back door, make sure you have your own money. All of these stories that are said with attempt to protect the daughter kind of over and over again, generationally, but in fact, just instills in her this multi-generational epigenetic, either fear or misunderstanding of the the rightness and goodness of men. So right out of the gate, it's like, we can see that there's like layers inside of this that make this complicated. But I do think that there is a both subtle and overt, um, that potent masculinity, the warrior is really uh, fairly radically condemned in our culture. And there's larger agendas for why I believe that, that we don't need to get into now. But obviously, I'll just say like, in a, like, if we depotentiate men, you know, we can look at this even hormonally, like testosterone rates plummeting, men are becoming increasingly estrogenic. So if we just look at this kind of through multiple snapshots, the story is coherent, the story is consistent, that if men in general are depotentiated on multiple levels of their beingness, it leaves a less potent nation, a less potent kind of front line that then actually preserves and protects, you know, the feminine, women, children, the elderly. So I think that this is kind of like all nested inside of each other. So it's difficult to just locate like one particular layer. So in that response, I think we can see that I kind of like moved up and down and in and out because it's complex just to kind of look at the same question through multiple layers begins to reveal the complexity of where we are right now as a modern Western culture in our relationship between the feminine and the masculine and how we as women truly, not how we say we do, but like what is the truth of how we hold in regard, you know, men, maleness and the masculine. It's a big spiritual journey for women in many, many ways. And how is the woman, you know, how would one be maybe responsible for some of that degradation of our male counterparts? Where does that come from? I have so many, so many stories around this, and I can share like a playful story to help illuminate this. So I had a client, they happen to be from India, and he is a physician and she's a dentist. And this um, this doctor went out and he bought this uh, truck, like a Ford, I have no idea what kind of truck it is, but like a pickup truck. And he bought this like tricked out big fat truck. And his wife was like, you cannot park this in the driveway. And he was like, I own, like, I, this is my home. Like, of course I can park my truck in this driveway. And she was like, no. And she would make her husband. And unfortunately he complied because we see this again and again, because she had a sense of the status of like doctors. And I think also there's some cultural, like Indian people don't have these like big honking trucks, according to her. And so she literally like exiled his truck and he would have to like park it down the street or around the corner. 
And I was like, when I worked with her in all love, I was like, do you see how disrespectful this is? Like, this is your husband's driveway. This is his home. And he chose with his money to purchase something that she had so much internal resistance to because there are very few things that are like extremely emblematic kind of symbolically of like maleness than one of these like big trucks. And so after I worked with her, she was, and I was like, do you see how you like mothered him, how you controlled him, how you, your own ego and your own sense of entitlement, like that is what we do. I see this over and over again, where we condemn either behaviors that are so different from ours or like symbolic representations of like potent maleness and we exile them from our field. We exile them from our home, from our heart. There are so many ways like women all say like, oh, I want a potent man. But when it actually comes to what that experience is like and how confronting it will be to so many women's like dainty sense of what a good man is, which is usually, and this is a funny thing that Alison Armstrong says, but I think it's extremely revelatory. She was like, ladies, men are not just like large, hairy women. And while that's funny, it actually shows the way we homogenize and feminize men all day long. We want them to be like us in order for us to see their goodness. But when you truly understand the primordial, primal nature of maleness and of men, men who are actually in approval of their maleness, which is far, like is already like a weakened, declining kind of state of consciousness for so many men where they've internalized these narratives about themselves. So when a woman goes on this hero, heroine's journey of really this deep reckoning of what maleness is, because it is, it is nothing like being a fe the feminine. It is nothing like being a woman. And yet women will reward men more and more for feminine behaviors because she gets to feel safe. She gets to feel kind of enveloped in something that's like her instead of recognizing that what part of her truly wants, and it's very confronting to the ego and sense of identity, is like a man that can hold warrior codes shamelessly, in approval of them, in not just warrior, I'm just using that as kind of a metaphor archetypally, but like potent, powerful man. She says she wants that, and she certainly wants that in the bedroom. But so many women I see where it's like, they're so fractured. They're like, oh, this lapdog by day that I can control and will be safe and like, um, you know, like well-behaved. And then they want like the tiger by night. And I'm like, honey, it doesn't work that way. And that is such a disrespectful split and fracture to project onto men and then blame them when you're not receiving what you say that you want. Like we have to look at ourselves. The entire like relational field is generated or sourced in the feminine frequency. It goes first with us. So again, <laughs> layers and layers to this cat. Okay. But it's just like, I'm starting to kind of unpack this here.
Yeah. So what is that behavior that women do seek, you know, under the ego, under the, the approachable, the man that you can just toy around on your arm? The nice what guy. Is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I believe, and I work with hundreds, if not thousands of women that we actually want a man that we cannot control. One of my primary teaching principles is like one of the greatest gifts that a man can gift to a woman is her complete inability to control him. Her ego will hate it. She will thrash and it'll it'll be very confronting to the part of her that has become entitled and honestly a bit arrogant in her historical capacity to control men. But the deeper part of her where her eros dwells and her womb trembles with like ancient remembrance of like, oh, that is a man, is that she has no ability to control him. He is not going to play the nice guy game with her. He is in such approval of the truth of his own nature as a man that any woman that comes into his field with that level of disrespect will be unceremoniously ejected from his field. And then so many women are like, he's emotionally unavailable. I'm like, okay. And you were so disrespectful. It just took my breath away. Like there's so much distortion in how we layer these attempts at creating loving relationship. And while I know that so much of it is well-intentioned, I truly think that there's like a massive epidemic of women who are covertly, massively disrespectful towards men and the masculine. And then that keeps them away from the very thing that like the truth of their heart desires. And we just have this entire embedded context now of, of men being chronically degraded and disrespected And then women kind of thrashing inside these narratives of he's unavailable, he's a narcissist. And I am, there's so much more. I'm just taking one energetic snapshot. So like, I know that this can be inflammatory. I am not saying that this is the universal reality. I am not saying that all men are good at all. Like clearing that. I think a lot of men have very distorted relationships to their masculine nature just as women have very distorted relationships to their aspects of their own feminine nature. And I'm curious, Julian, if you could walk us through to give the listeners a little bit more context, because it sounds like you're very, very advanced on your own journey, your own heroine's journey of reclaiming your own feminine and surrendering to this divine masculine, the warrior that we all crave and yearn for. And I imagine there was some deprogramming and clearing of old beliefs. And has that process been like for you having been yeah, the woman that was programmed from society that we need to control and that we want a man to surrender to us and really, really flipping that on the converse, allowing us to fully surrender into that, that inner masculine and that, in that masculine and that warrior of others uh, so that we can, you can finally receive that, that man that you truly desire. 
Okay. So, so, so much of this, and this gets tender is, so one of my teachings also is that there are women who carry deep father wounds. And I would say a, a tremendous majority of women carry father wound. There are two ways that that women kind of mm, receive that psychic injury. One is through her father, like that her father was directly abusive or directly absent, you know, that there's an immediacy to that. So in my case, and in many um, instances of the women that I work with, it's more subtle than that, where like, for me, and this is the teaching that I'm about to share is like that, that very often the father wound travels through the mother line. And this is because I came from a a lineage of women, my bloodline carries a lot of wounding around men in the masculine. So even though, I mean, my parents were divorced when I was young, but like I had a good enough dad. Like I had a, I really loved my dad. Like we had, we were good. Like my dad, he died when I was young-ish, um, but like I had a loving presence of father. But my mom, and this was never intentional, like in order to protect me, both what was spoken by my mom and in her behavior with men in order for me to free myself of this, I actually had to like remove the vow of loyalty that I had made unconsciously to the bloodline of women that like ran through my body, like at the level of blood and womb and marrow. And I had to say like, I give that all back to you, like with love and respect, like to be alchemized by, you know, the great mother and like Gaia itself, that I don't want that to be my story. So, so much of this work has been deep, somatic, limbic, unwinding of where have I made these vows? Where have I made vows of loyalty to my family, to my girlfriends? to, cause we don't even understand the level of saturation. Like when I do this work with women where we really begin to unpack collusion, unconscious collusion, where are we unconsciously colluding all over town, all over our family systems in order to stay safe and in order to belong. That drive to belong is one of the deepest evolutionary thrusts of women, of our survival. So to actually intentionally and with grace and love rupture those places where we have been unconsciously going on the ride essentially and saying like, I love you, this is not my story. And to intentionally kind of rupture those cords so that we can actually live inside of a different story has been a deep part of my work, particularly when it's unconscious, particularly when it's at the level of bloodline. And then culturally and societally, it's the level of disruption I've had to cause, <laughs> be a cause of in my life in order to 
be in a field of my own rightful devotion and my own desire to truly descend into the primordial truth of the feminine that dwells within me has been, you know, fairly stunning, honestly. Like it's the, the, the true feminine is inherently disruptive, that primordial frequency outside of all the conditioning and programming. So I think that this is, it, this is why I said before we were, when we were kind of like in the green room, like this journey is not for all women. This lineage of remembrance and awakening for women is not for all women. This is advanced yoga pose. A path, you know, that's, that's the, this path. So for women that are listening that are more novice in their journey and in their process, mm-hmm. but they want to be ravished, they want to experience that warrior and the divine masculine, like where, where do you even begin? Right. Because like you said, this is very advanced at this point. And, um, for the woman that, that is yearning for that deep connection with, the divine masculine and might be hearing all of this and feeling overwhelmed and not have any idea where to start. Like what's a good starting point for them? You begin by respecting him and you begin by making amends for all the places, even if it's unconscious, what happens to us at the level of our own trauma, particularly when we are young, it's not our responsibility but it is our responsibility for what lives inside of our system, our nervous system. We do need to be responsible for that as we mature and grow and flower into, you know, our greatness as women, that is a spiritual responsibility. So holding that and looking out into your life, like I have had to make amends with my brother, with my deceased father, with so many men in my life where I was like, oh my God, I didn't know better. I was so disrespectful. There are times where even though I was like, right, like I could, I could absolutely look at instances where I was like, but I was right. I was right. It's still the way I handled myself with men was was so disrespectful, even if it like with my sweet voice and my lip gloss and my, you know, like whatever, all of that good girl looking like nice woman kind of looking presentation beneath that, there were times where it's like, I had a killer, you know, and I was very disrespectful and unconsciously. And when I really started to awaken and look at this, it was a heartbreaker for me. And I have gone back and I have been like, I didn't know any better. And I am so sorry for how disrespectful I was with you. Not even in like big, like overt theatrical ways, but the subtlety of like how I would greet my partner or not, how I would create a home or how I would speak to him, how I would, um, ask him and to do things for me without with with entitlement rather than appreciation so those two like if you're starting and this is resonant on some level those two qualities those two energetics of respect and appreciation are like the golden keys to 
alchemizing and transforming relationship. Being respected and being appreciated is like mana, like deep fuel for the masculine that actually reflexively evokes his desire to like protect and provide and ravish and play with you. But without those, and those come from the feminine first, without those golden keys and the repair around that. And it's almost like once you start appreciating a man and respecting a man cat, it feels so good. Like then we realize how deeply coded, how designed we are to even hold those energetics in our physiology. So all of a sudden, it's like, once we can get past the ego, <laughs> then it's like, oh my God, this feels so good. It is an organic state of bliss, mm-hmm. truthfully, mm-hmm. for the feminine, for women. So starting there, and then once you start, you'll see it's kind of like one of those Russian dolls where it's like, and, and, and I want to name one important thing. This is not performative. This You are not performing your respect. You are not contorting your appreciation. It has to be true. You have to arrive at a place beyond ego, beyond pain body, where you like actually see it and you actually feel it. But you have to look. You have to look beyond your conditioning. And when you start to see it and start to feel it and can organically offer that, that is one of the deepest transformational like offerings that just, it transforms relationships. And it's so, you know, air quote, simple. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Definitely not easy, but simple in so many ways and is such a gift foremost to yourself as a woman. And you're engaged. You are, I'm sure, with an incredible partner Mm -hmm. that you do see in his potency. And what has that process been like for you to finally arrive here and feel like you can commit a lifetime to that person? I love everything that Max creates for me. I organically love it. I organically respect him. That is the deepest aphrodisiac. It's like, and part of it is like, it's easy for me. It's easy for me to respect a man like Max. And on the other hand, I respect Max when he's made some whopping mistakes because my frame is like, that's only going to make him greater. That's only going to make him greater when he moves through that entire process, that initiation. So it's my frame. Like I, my frame cultivates Max's greatness as a man. He has that inherent gold print, like epic masculine being for sure. But it's my feminine that evokes like that evolution evermore. And it's my frame. Like there's many instances in this relationship. Now we're so human where I could see a situation and I could hear what former Jillian would say. And I would just have like cut him off at the knees because he made a mistake. He did something wrong, whatever that might be. And like I said, some of them are like, you know, some doozies, but instead I can almost feel the reorganization inside of me 
where like I look through different eyes. I look through the eyes uh, that have been deconditioned, the eyes that know that the deep, my greatest priority in my relationship is to like epically respect and honor Max. So that's my desire. So I choose in alignment with that. Now, quick little like um, finesse or refinement here. Like, yes, this is for Max. Yes, but the deeper truth is, is that it's for me because I love how it feels in my body. And so that can be like, that's again, like advanced yoga pose. Women can see this and be like, oh, she's feeding his ego. I am not, I am feeding my own eros, my own eros. And that needs to be understood. So I would say, it's the same thing. It's the same golden key I just gave to all the ladies. Like look through eyes that desire to respect your imperfect mortal man who's going to make all kinds of mistakes, just as you are, me and me too. So it's like, choose your choose your lens and include how you want to feel in that lens. Mm. Like, primarily like that's a huge key and it's the same so it's like it's the same the whole way up it's the same for like if you're beginning and I still live in that sure there's higher refinement deeper alchemy but it's the same principle respect and appreciate play play into that and notice how you feel, not play into that performatively. I just keep needing to correct that because that's something that can be really misunderstood in this work. So this has been such an incredible deep dive. And I'm sure that the women that are listening have a lot more questions and it's clear how much devotion that you've provided to your own practice and your own development and I know for me speaking to you I just I want to join your 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 Facebook group and your monthly offerings and I just want to keep absorbing and learning from you um, so that I can be the woman that I fully feel in my body that I'm here to be um, and break those cycles and create more warrior men in the future and goddesses in the future. So what's the best way, Jillian, to work with you, to reach you um, so that people can continue to learn? Sure. So um, you can follow me on Instagram. It's feminine underscore eros. You are welcome to join my free Facebook group, which is active and has, you know, several thousand women in it. It's, um, women are always done. They're like, there's no place on this, on like this on the internet. And it's true. And it's a beautiful community. Um, and so that's called Feminine Eros with Jillian Pothier. That's on Facebook. And then for the, like women who feel like they want to climb in a little bit more deeply, I have a monthly, I have a membership group, a membership community that's private. It's $44 a month. It's called Femme Feminine Eros Membership. And we can share those links with you and you can put them in the show notes. But um, I show up monthly in there with the teaching transmission, coaching. The community is lit. I have another woman who teaches devotional alchemy in that space. 
and it's like amazing to watch the transformation and also the 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 level of the players inside of that field from the very beginning very beginners all the way up and like we come together as women to kind of support each other in this journey of remembrance All right, dear sisters and friends, thank you so much for listening to the latest episode of The Feminine Untamed. I love witnessing your biggest breakthroughs and aha moments gained during this podcast. So let's build momentum and community together. Share the golden nuggets received during this episode on Instagram and tag me so I can celebrate alongside you. It means so much to me. And if you feel called to leave a review, send me a screenshot and I'll send you the Pussy in Purpose three-part masterclass series to increase pleasure, play, and passion in the most intimate moments and parts of you. This masterclass is only available to my private clients. However, when you review this podcast and send me a screenshot, you'll gain special access absolutely free. I'm so happy you're here. Again, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Yeah.